Good afternoon. This is a homegoing service because Karen Pritchard is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Karen is chosen of God, adopted into God's forever family, redeemed Christ's own. Karen is now in heaven with Jesus. She has never been better. She is free. We will see her again for a forever hello. No more goodbyes ever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3. We are here in this sanctuary, which Karen knew and loved so well, to give thanks to God for Karen's redeemed life. As we remember her life together, may we honor the Lord Jesus Christ, whom she so dearly loved and so capably served all of her days. God the Holy Spirit is present with us this afternoon. He is here to comfort, to guide, to reassure, and to bless. Please hear Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write down those words for our New Testament. And so again, we have gathered now, and let us remember that this is not an hour of defeat. This is an hour of victory. For Karen Pritchard, whom we so dearly love, has been given the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, namely, glorification, heaven, complete Christ-likeness, unbroken fellowship with the Savior. This is not an hour of defeat, but one of victory. Shall we pray? Most gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you are the giver of life and the giver of eternal life. Thank you that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Thank you so much that Karen was prepared. We praise you, Lord, for the day that Karen transferred her trust to Jesus alone for her salvation. And I am told that it was in this very church building. Lord, at the beginning of this homegoing service, we commit Brother Glenn and his whole dear family to you. Help these precious ones to fix their eyes on what is unseen, because these are things which are eternal, not merely on the things which can be seen, because these are only temporary. Lord Jesus Christ, we would honor and glorify you now with the wonderful help of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
We are going to sing to Christ's praise at this time. It is well with my soul. Let us all stand beside the immediate family as we sing this hymn of assurance and comfort. It is well. If any in the immediate family would like to join with the glad and standing, feel free to do so. When peace like a Let this blessed assurance come. 
Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Pastor Nicholas Rogers comes at this time to share a portion of God's word. Good afternoon. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The As I Knew Her reading will be brought to us this afternoon by Pastor Tommy Albury. Good afternoon. I count it a privilege to have been asked by Brother Glenn to share in this service today. And on behalf of my wife Kathy and I, we would like to extend our sincere Christian sympathies to Brother Glenn and the rest of the family. Our story begins New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1987. I was planning on spending the night quietly alone at home. I received a call from a colleague at work, Jimbo, asking what my plans were for the evening. Jim was a citizen of the USA and was working for Island Seafoods and living in the Bahamas at that time. His family was in Jacksonville and he was living alone. I guess I felt I had to do something for his sake, but I told him that I had no idea where to go. We had made no reservations and as you know, New Year's Eve is the most popular evening of the year for people to celebrate. Somehow, by fate, we wound up at the Nassau Yacht Club and managed to secure a seat with some friends. It was there that I met the love of my life. There was only one problem. She apparently had a prearranged date. I had a strange feeling from the moment I saw her that I had to meet her. 
I bided my time and waited until our escort got up to go to the restroom, I suppose. That was his big mistake. I immediately moved in and the rest is history. At the end of the evening, I asked for a telephone contact, which she gave me. Every night for the following week, I tried calling when I got home from work, where the phone just rang. I figured I'd either written down the wrong number or she was avoiding me. After a week had passed, my friend Jimbo asked how things were progressing with Karen and I. When I told him I couldn't get her on the phone, he said to me, you better find some way to get a hold of her. She's special. Don't let her get away. The very next day, I was doing my weekly grocery shopping, and on turning down, turning down one of the aisles, almost ran her, her over. The first thing she said to me was, I thought you had given up on calling me. I tried to explain that I didn't call every night, but couldn't reach her for some reason. It was then she realized that her telephone had been out of order the whole week. <laughs> I apologized and told her that I was definitely interested in a relationship with her and invited her out to dinner. Six months later, on June the 2nd, 1988, we were married. The first thing I learned about Karen during our courtship that she was very devoted to her parents and her son, Jonathan. She called her mother three times a day and usually stopped by the house on the way home from work. This made a big impression on me because one of God's commandments is to us is that we honor our mothers and our fathers. She certainly kept that commandment. She had the most pleasant personality of anyone I'd ever met. Everyone said that she took after her father Thomas, who had a perpetual smile plastered on his face. I often teased her that I believed if I told her our house was on fire, she would smile. Karen was very active and enjoyed bowling, skating, skiing, and many outdoor activities. She especially enjoyed boating and diving conks, which I taught her. Her personality won her many lifelong friends, and she especially enjoyed socializing with them. She arranged the first of their class reunion, the 30th, at which time I got to meet many of her classmates who became my friends. When I joined Rotary, she pitched right in and was by my side during all of our fundraising events. She was so popular with our club, with our club that the members, uh, club members, that they awarded her a Paul Harris Award, which is the highest honor attainable in Rotary. Karen loved to travel and visited different places, but Abaco was definitely her favorite place, especially after the grandchildren starting arriving. We had five in total, three boys and two girls, and she loved them as much as any grandmother could. 2012 was not a good year for her. In January, her mother fell and broke her hip. She had no sooner healed when Karen suffered a ruptured appendix, and that hospitalized her for about a week. Then in August, I began to notice a change in her that I couldn't understand. She complained of having an upset stomach and suffered spells of dizziness. I finally convinced, convinced her in October to see a doctor. I think we saw five, but they could not help her and her condition only worsened. By November, her condition had reached the stage where the doctor told me they could do nothing for her and that she would probably deteriorate until she passed away. I was having no part of that. 
With the help of my friend and employer, Ben Frisch, and his father, Mr. Harry Frisch, she was admitted in the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. It took the specialists about two weeks of constant testing to discover that she had a very rare form of brain cancer called central nervous system lymphoma. Her oncologist warned me that her survival rate was less than 30% and that the cancer was very aggressive. Without immediate and dangerous treatment, she would not survive for too long. This was the darkest days of my life, and I prayed that God would be merciful and not take her from me. All of her friends began praying, and people that I didn't know began calling and offering words of hope and encouragement. I don't think that there is a church in the Bahamas that didn't call her name in their prayer list on Sunday mornings. The doctors commenced treatment immediately, and a very strange thing happened that astounded even the oncologist. After the very first chemo treatment, Karen responded miraculously, and within two weeks was back to her happy, cheerful, and smiling old self. The doctors were amazed, but I knew that it was a greater power that had touched her. We returned to Nassau, and she continued her treatment under the care of Dr. Devon Curling and Dr. Theodore Turnquist. During all her testing and chemo treatment, I never heard her complain, except when she was bored and wanted to go home from the hospital. We returned to the Mayo Clinic in August 2013 and was told that the cancer was in remission and things looked good. We took advantage of this special gift from God and enjoyed our friends, children, grandchildren, and each other. It was a wonderful two years which I shall never forget. As much as I loved her, I realized that God loved her more and her cancer returned. With the loving care of Joan, Alice, Sharman, Angel's Elite, and all of her best friends, Karen rested comfortably at home until she went to be with her Lord on November 13th at 3.45 a.m. I don't know why God to chose to bestow this gift of this wonderful woman's love upon me, but I shall cherish her memory until he takes me to join with her in heaven. And I have two poems to read. One, the first is by Brother Glenn. My angel up in heaven, I wanted you to know. I feel you watching over me everywhere I go. I wish you were with me, but that can never be. Memories of you in my heart that only I can see. My angel up in heaven, I hope you understand that I would give anything if I could hold your hand. I'd hold you oh so tightly and never let you go. And all the love inside of me to you I would show. My angel up in heaven, for now we are apart. You will always live inside of me, deep within my heart. And the other one is by her best friend, Cynthia Sweeting, entitled Farewell to Karen. Farewell, my friend, you're leaving. It's time for you to go. Your friendship was a blessing and I will miss you so. We shared so many secrets, you brightened up my days. You brought me so much happiness with your kind and loving ways. You lifted up my spirits when I was feeling blue. No matter what was happening, you knew just what to do. We ran between, between the raindrops and walked beneath the sun, ran barefoot in the summertime, and oh, we had such fun. 
Though all, through all the ups and downs of life, the good times and the sad, from high school days to golden years, the best friend I ever had. God is here to take you home. Now you and I must part. I love you and forever you will live within my heart. Uh, Sister Pansy, Russell, if you come and minister Christ through song, please. My sympathies to Glenn and Glenn, I talked to Sonia last night and the family got together and had special prayer for you and your family and for Karen's family. And um, they said that they will remember you in prayer in the days to come and that they loved you. Death is not something that is easily accepted. Um, it hurts. But to the believer, as Pastor said in his opening remarks, it makes it just a little bit easier that when you work through the pain that you know that God's amazing grace is there and that's not the last time. This is not the final. Karen has not stopped living. Karen has just begun her new life. I first believe. 
of God. Sister Tamson Rogers will come next to read a message to Nana from Savannah and Sierra. Our tribute to Nana Karen. We said a prayer for you today and know that God must have heard. We felt the answer in our heart, although we spoke no word. We did not ask for wealth or fame. We knew you would not mind. We asked him to send treasures a far more lasting kind. We asked that he'd be near you at the start of each new day and asked for happiness for you in all things great and small. But for his loving care, we prayed for most of all. Nana Karen, we are so sad that you are gone, but we will never forget the good times that we shared. We liked when you would sing to us, there's a hole in my bucket, dear mama, dear mama when you would watch us play in the road, swim in the pool, have pizza or Chinese food in bed, or even stop us from arguing with each other about who hugged you first, or which one of us would sleep over that night. We hope to forget the times that we saw you just lying there. But always said a prayer that you would get better one day. Nana, we will never forget how you loved us and how you would do anything for us. 
Love from your two grand girls, Savannah and Sierra. We'll never forget, we forget you. We love you, Nana. So very precious, a video tribute.
Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you that heaven is real. We thank you that the Bible is true. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is enough. In these moments spent in one verse of your word, I ask you to hide the preacher that you would magnify the Savior. I pray that your comfort would be our portion and that you would draw us close to you, some for the very first time, perhaps. We ask these things in Jesus, the world's only Savior's name. Amen. In the New King James Version of the Bible, Philippians 3 verse 14 reads this way. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have three points for us this afternoon from this one verse. Point number one, heaven is real. Heaven is real. The verse said God calls heaven two things. He calls heaven the mark and the prize. God calls the real heaven a mark and the prize. Of course, the Lord Jesus told us in many places in the New Testament that heaven is real. I'll just give you three. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's the first part of verse 6 of John chapter 14. Excuse me, verse 2. Jesus also taught about a real heaven in one of his parables. Jesus said this, Now it came about that the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. That's in Luke 16, verse 22. And then, of course, from the cross, just prior to dismissing his own spirit to physical death as he bled and died and and paid for the sin debt that we all owed to God, there was a repentant thief on the one side and there was an unrepentant thief on the other. The unrepentant thief in anger scolded Jesus as much to say, if you're the son of God, get us all down from here. And the repentant thief knew Jesus to be who Jesus said he was, God, Savior, and said to Jesus, remember me. Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus taught us in many places that heaven is real. Heaven is not a myth. Heaven is not a nice idea. Heaven is not a state of mind. Heaven is not what you make it. Heaven is not here on earth now. Heaven is the place where God lives. Heaven is the place where believers like Karen Pritchard go when they pass from this life. Heaven is the believer in Jesus Christ's actual home. If you were to be given believer the most accurate passport, it would not say Bahamas or the United States or Canada on it. It would say heaven. 
Because for the believer in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. Our home is in heaven because heaven is real. And so because heaven is real, it can be the mark which we are to press toward in life. And because heaven is real, it can be the prize which we want when we are here on earth. Heaven is real. It was W.M. Parrish who observed, quote, in speech-making as in life, failure is not failure, but low aim is a crime. Low aim is a crime. Pressed toward the mark of heaven. She wanted the prize of heaven. She knew that heaven is real. She sang about heaven with and without other believers. She knew that heaven was her true home because of her Jesus. There's a poem, author unknown, it's called I'm Free. Don't grieve for me, for now I'm free. I'm following the path God laid for me. I took his hand when I heard him call. I turned my back and left it all. I could not stay another day to laugh, to love, to work, to play. Tasks left undone must stay that way. I found peace at the end of the day. If my parting has left a void, then fill it with remembered joy, a love shared, a laugh, a kiss. Ah, yes, these things I too will miss. Be not burdened with times of sorrow. I wish you the sunshine of tomorrow. My life's been full. I've savored much. Good friends, good times, a loved one's touch. Perhaps my time seemed all too brief. Don't lengthen it now with undue grief. Lift up your heart and share with me. God wanted me now. He set me free. Heaven is real. It's both our mark and our prize. And what a tremendous mark and what a tremendous prize heaven is. In heaven, we live without death. We feel without regret. We worship without distraction. We serve without exhaustion. We choose without failure. And we rest without boredom. We can know for sure that heaven is real. Our second point from Philippians 3 verse 14 is this. Heaven is calling us to move in a direction now. Heaven is calling us to move in a direction now. The first part of the verse says, I press toward. I press toward. Heaven ought to give direction to our lives right now. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said, and I quote, the great thing in this world is not so much where we stand as in what direction we are moving. To reach the port of heaven, we must sail, 
sometimes with the wind and sometimes against it, but we must sail, not drift, nor lie at anchor. End of quote. Friends, properly, Jesus and salvation and heaven ought to give our lives direction right now while we live on earth. Properly, Jesus and salvation in heaven should point our lives toward our real home, which is heaven. There's a little chorus that captures this, I think. With eternity's values in view, Lord, with eternity's values in view, may I do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. And so what have we seen so far? We have seen in Philippians 3.14, first, heaven is real. Second, heaven is calling us to move in a direction right now. And third and last, from Philippians 3, verse 14, this point, heaven is received God's way. Heaven is received God's way. Philippians 3.14 again makes it clear. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, watch it, in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Heaven is received God's way and only God's way. There is no heaven except that a person is in Christ Jesus as Karen was. Except a person is saved, redeemed, born again, that person will not see heaven. Not everyone goes to heaven. Not everyone goes to heaven like Karen Pritchard has. Heaven is a gated community. You just can't wander into a gated community here on earth and just say, I'm here. Heaven is a gated community. It's God's home. He has every prerogative to say who gets to come into his home, right? And he says, Jesus said, and he ought to know because he's the only one that left the gated community, came to earth, and then went back to the gated community. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's narrow. Truth is narrow. I want a narrow commercial airline pilot. I want a narrow accountant. Truth is narrow. Heaven is to receive God's way, and God's way is through Christ and only Christ. You can't live good enough to make it through the gated community. You can't join a church to go through the gated community. You can't be baptized, christened, and earn the gated community. The only persons who come into that gated community that is called heaven are people who have said, I can't do it. 
I need the grace that Pansy sang of in Christ so my chains will come off and I can be given heaven as a gift, not as anything I could possibly ever earn. Because in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, as we may well know, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one will be in the gated community of heaven, having earned it by having perfect attendance in Sunday school and giving to the United Way. Because if we bump into such a person, they're going to be braggadocious. All the people who will be in the gated community called heaven will have received it as a gift that Jesus paid for. When our daughter Joanna, who's now 22 at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, but when she was a very little girl, she asked me, what is a gift certificate? Try explaining a gift certificate to a four-year-old. I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. Finally, I said, a gift certificate is you getting everything that someone else paid for. A gift certificate is you getting everything that someone else paid for. That's heaven. Have you recognized you can't pay for it? But Jesus has paid for it for you? Have you transferred your trust from yourself being a good person or a certain church off of yourself or what you could do onto what Jesus has done? Religion says do, 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 and you never know when you have done enough. Jesus and the scriptures say done. Trust me and only me. That's what Karen Pritchard did. That's how we know she's in heaven. I urge you, If you're sitting here without a surety, uh, an assurance, a peace that if my day were to come to pass away today or this week, that you don't have an assurance that where you know you'd go when you pass, please, you could give no greater an honor and tribute to Karen Pritchard than to trust her Savior as she did so, so sincerely while here on earth. Accept that gift of the gated community called heaven which is real, through the finished work of Christ. You would just say, God, I'm a sinner. I have blown it. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps to make myself good enough. I believe Jesus died in my place. I believe that you raised him, Father, from the dead to say that my sins are paid for. And right now I transfer my trust off of anyone or anything other than Jesus to put it squarely onto Jesus alone. Make that your heart's prayer, and God will hear you, and he will save you, and he will reserve a home for you in heaven because heaven is a real place, a prepared place, but only for a prepared people. That's my prayer for you. A man named Harry Rimmer knew all three things that we've been seeing from Philippians 3.14. Mr. Rimmer knew that heaven is real. Mr. Rimmer knew that heaven was calling him to a certain direction while he lived on earth, and Mr. Rimmer knew that heaven is received God's way. The following is a part of a letter received by Dr. Charles Fuller of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour after he had announced on the radio that he would speak on the subject of heaven in the Sunday morning service the following week. This is a part of Mr. Rimmer's letter to the radio program. And I quote, Next Sunday, 
you are to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have a clear title to a bit of property there for over 50 years. I did not buy it, for it was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous cost. I am not holding it for speculation, for the deed is not transferable. It is not a vacant lot, for I have been sending material for over 50 years up that way, out of which the greatest architect and builder in the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need to be repaired. It will suit me perfectly and will never grow old. Termites cannot undermine its foundations, for it rests upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed on its doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands, almost completed. It is ready for me to enter in and rest in peace eternally without fear of being rejected. There is a valley of deep shadow between the place where I live in California and that to which I shall journey in a short time. I could not reach my home in that city of gold without passing through this dark valley of shadows. But I am not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through with me the thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago. And I hold to his promise in printed form, never to forsake me nor to leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadows, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on Sunday next from my home here, but I have no assurance that I shall. My ticket to heaven has no date stamped upon it, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. I am all ready to go. And I may not be here when you are talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there someday. Signed, Harry Rimmer, Doctor of Science. Incidentally, Dr. Rimmer went to be with the Lord before the next Sunday came. Heaven is real. Heaven should direct us as to how we live now. Heaven is to be received God's way. Are you ready for heaven? Karen was. She's there now. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I close this message with a thought, particularly for those of you who may be sitting here wishing you knew more about heaven, just wanting to know more about heaven. There was a medical doctor, he was a Christian, and he was treating one of his patients who was terminally ill, and the patient knew that he was dying. In the course of a regular check-in with the doctor, the patient said to the doctor, I wish I knew more about heaven. Can you tell me more about heaven than you've told me the Bible says? And the doctor said, no, I can't. I I can't tell you more than what the Bible has said. And the patient said, I want to know more about heaven. And the doctor said, please wait 
doctor left the examination room of his office, went away. He went and got his Labrador retriever, and he brought it to the hallway outside the door of the examination room, and he, the patient inside the room didn't know what the doctor had done. And the doctor pulled the door behind him and came in the examination room with the patient. And not too long, the patient could hear through the door the whimpering of the dog, the, the barking of the dog, the scratching of the dog on the door. And the doctor said, Katie has never been in this examination room because it needs to be kept sterile. But she desperately wants to get in right now because her master is in the room and that's good enough for her. Friends, we don't know everything we might like to know about heaven. But if our master and savior is there, that's more than enough. Make that decision to trust Christ if you never have. And if you have, let heaven shape how you live your life here. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank and praise you for heaven. We thank and praise you for the Savior of heaven. We thank you that we can be with him, we can see him, we can enjoy all the splendors you've made for us because of your tremendous grace. Oh God, I pray for anyone in the sound of my voice who does not have this Savior and friend, that they would trust him, turn from sin and self and Satan to turn to this Savior in simple childlike faith, receive the gift of forgiveness in heaven and and then live like they have. For those of us, Lord, who've received this wonderful gift a long time ago, help us to have it shape how we live our lives, how we spend our money, how we give our speech, where we go on Sundays. All these things, may we live for you because the time is short. Bless this family. And, and now as we enter into this time of committal, give grace for all and fix our eyes to things that are unseen, heaven, because they're real. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Because we will not be going to the cemetery, and because this is a complete funeral service, I'm going to ask you as a congregation to stand. Please stand. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read some very comforting words. The church in Thessalonica had the misunderstanding that somehow they'd been missed when Christ came back and they were left without being taken home. And uh, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, was given correction for them that continues over all these centuries to be a precious truth as we consider uh, committing our loved ones' earthly houses to their final resting places. This is 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first.
then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Inasmuch as it has pleased our Lord and loving Heavenly Father to take from our midst by gathering to himself this one whom we dearly love, we commit her earthly house to its final resting place, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. A place for safekeeping only until that great trumpet day, that glorious day, when the treasure we deposit now into a vault for safekeeping is transformed and raised imperishable and glorified. Please let us now sing our recessional hymn together, Greatest Thy Faithfulness. Lord. 